Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tuesday afternoon it is and you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have a lovely story to start today and someone who's very familiar to you on Late Lunch to tell part of it because I'm delighted to welcome to the show to kick off our business today Eddie Farrell from the Irish Veteran Vintage Car Club and the man you know well, David Carey from Team Carey fame and more besides. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. Good, not at all. Welcome, David. Welcome, Eddie. David, let's begin with you. Uh, Sadly, there at the end of the year, uh, the last of your dad's family, your uncle, passed away. Yeah, that's right, Jerry. On the bank holiday Monday, we sadly lost uh, Kevin Carey, who was one of the last Carey boys. And um, I would have um, always wanted a vintage car. And... I would have, over the years, uh, you know, browsed and searched websites and car websites and auctions and went to shows. But the, the reality was, I never really know what I wanted. <laughs> and David, this this is with you for years and years, and it just never, yeah. ever happened. Why did it come back to the fore when your uncle was laid to rest that particular day? Why? Well, on that particular day, uh, for absolutely no no apparent reason, uh, Eddie Farrell, who you're going to be talking to soon, Eddie Farrell, for no apparent reason, decided to get the logbook out of his 1967 Ford Anglia and retrace the first, first registered owner, which was my dad, J.S. Carey, John Francis Carey, better known to everyone as Sean Carey. Right. So Eddie uh, Google carried on Leah and he found... Uh, Derek Carey. That Derek Carey would be Kevin's son. Yes. So we emailed Derek Carey to say, to, to, he's letting the family aware that uh, he, he was, the, the Ford Anglia 1957 was still in the road 56 years later. And he was just letting the family know that the car was still on the road. And if, the, if, if it did not relate to the family, to please ignore, delete the email. And David, your dad, this your dad bought this car new in 1967. Yes, July 1967, he bought this car brand new, a Ford Anglia. Do you remember the car? I do. You do. So you remember the? Yeah. Had, had he? Did he hold on to it for long, David? I think he had it for about maybe seven, eight years. It's very hard to see in the old logbook. Yeah, we actually do a family photo of us, family photographs of us in the car. 
Wow. So you remember this car and your dad having it. So he had it into the 70s, around 74 or so on it was. Yeah, even a bit later. I, I would have grown up in the back of that car, Jerry. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> and my sisters, my sister Sandra and Felicity. And, and they're still, we, we just can't believe what has happened, you know. Yeah, so on the day your uncle was laid to rest, the 2nd of January, the man we're going to talk to now, Eddie Farrell, made a connection. And, you know... How do you explain this? This is, this is really inexplicable. You have this desire all your lifetime all life, that, yeah. that has never been fulfilled. Let me bring Eddie into the conversation. Hello, Eddie. How you doing, Jerry? I'm really good. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Why in God's name, the 2nd of January on this particular day, what made you, you know, make the contact with the carries in Dunleer? Now, the funny thing is, your guess is as good as mine. Right. I was doing what I do best, lying on the sofa watching telly. <laughs> and uh, just got this urge. Let's have a look, see who the original owner was, which was J.F. Carey from Dundee. And um, the next day, just decided to see if I could send an email to say, listen, the car is there if anyone wants to see it, if there was anyone still available from the family, you know. Mm. So um, as as you heard there, I did contact, uh, I did find a person on Google, uh, Derek. Yeah. And he sent the email across. He got me to send an email to himself. And I just put on it, like, if, if it's not related to you, don't worry about it. Just letting you know it's still there if anyone wants to see mm. it or take a spin in it. They're welcome, you know? Yes. Now, I have to say, I did mention the car was not for sale. Okay, the so the ca- a, this is important. It, yeah. yeah. The, the car, car has sentimental reasons to me, but certainly not as close a sentimental reason as what what David has, you know. Okay, so you said, look, at, I have the car, it's not for sale, but you're welcome to come and see it, take a drive in it or whatever. T- tell us about the car from it passed from David's dad. Where did it go then? How do you come to have the car? Now, okay, right. I came to see the car probably about five years ago. Very good friend of mine, Patsy, Patsy Reardon. I became good friends with Patsy through vintage cars, you know. Yeah. Me being a mechanic all my life, I had just had a passion for vintage cars and I heard that an old car starting one day. I was down the garage in my own place. Heard this old car cranking over and I went, that's not a modern thing. And it just wouldn't start. Took a stroll down the lane and a neighbour down there had this vintage Austin A30. But um, through the jigs and the reels anyway, we, we developed a great friendship between himself and myself. We started doing a lot of work on the car for him because he he wasn't a mechanic, didn't know much about him, neither a gearbox overhauled and I was able to do it. You know, he'd done the little wall for me in return, so there was mm. never money changed hands yes. between us. You know, it was great little relationship. Barter, yeah. But um, anyway, Patsy changed the car a couple of times, and eventually he came up with this beautiful-looking Anglia. Now, as I say, that was about five years ago. Mm. Now, the Anglia was like as if it was only a spray shop, but there was a lot of mechanical issues still to be done on it. So he bought it, and the two of us got stuck into it, done all the mechanical issues on it, and he ended up with a lovely little car. Mm. But unfortunately, throughout the year before last, Patsy became ill and passed away. So I asked his wife if she wouldn't mind if I had first crack at buying the car, you know. So she said she wouldn't have it any other way. But anyway, we negotiated a little deal on it. She was happy with it, I was happy with it. And her last words to me was, don't think you're married to this car, Ed. If you have to sell it on, you have to sell it on. So, like, those words just stuck in my mind when when I... you know, spoke with David, you know. Mm. So, 
the rest is hardly history at this stage. Well, we're going to pick that up with David in a second. But the car yeah. itself, dri- still driving well, in great condition, body-wise, what mileage would be on it, on the clock? I think there's about, I think from memory it's about 70,000 kilometres, but God knows whether that's the first time round, second time yes. round, or what, yes. you know. I know what you They mean. only go to the five, the, the hundred thousands and click yes. to zero at that stage. Yeah, so yeah. We, you couldn't be sure, but... Yeah. certainly drives lovely and looks well, you know. Mm. She's in great nick, inside, outside, body, mechanically and everything now from 1967. So, David Carey, your ambition is to own a vintage car. What happens then? You talk to Kevin. Tell us about the, the chat that happened, David. Uh, over the years, I would have spoken about a car and I'd love a car. And even my sisters knew that I was looking for a vintage car. Ailey knew my car. All my family knew I was looking for a car. But I, I go back to the... I, I, I never knew what I was looking for. Mm. So I actually never took the plunge. And when, as soon as I got uh, wind of uh, Eddie Farrell had my dad's uh, 1960 Savin Anglia, I was immediately jumped at it and I made contact with him. And Eddie did make it clear. He, he, he never, ever had an intention to sell the car because he's such an attachment to it. Mm. And... There was no pressure or anything put on him at all. And he just says to me, you're welcome to come sit in the car and drive the car. Three or four hours later that evening, Eddie rang me back. But but, but before said, before you jump on there, did you go actually down and sit in the car and drive the car? No. No. Okay, no, so had, no. I, he, he, sent me, he sent me a picture of the car. Okay, right. And he he went out and he done a video of the car and showed me the car. So, so my, mouth, my mouth dropped. I told him if I could get the steering wheel, I'd take a steering wheel. <laughs> but uh, he, um, he showed me the car, he sent me a pictures, and uh, we were arranging to go up the following Saturday. Myself and Aileen, my wife, was going up to, to, to view the car and have a look at the car. But it was basically to go for a drive and a spin. Okay. But, but that same evening, yes. Eddie calls me back about four hours later. And he says, David, he says, I'm after talking to my wife, my family, my kids and my grandkids. And he said, we want you to have the car. Oh, Eddie. <laughs> what can I say? What can any of us I, say? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the story was. I have two vintage cars, right? Well, I, sorry, I had two vintage cars. I actually have one <laughs> now. The first car, when I bought the Anglia, um, I passed the first car over to my eldest grandchild. So it's actually her birthday today, if you want to say a happy birthday to her, Katie Smith. But um, Happy birthday, uh, Katie Smith. I'll do anything for you after <laughs> you, this story, to be honest. Go on, go on. Yeah. So anyway, um, the first car was passed over to Katie because I always told her if I got a second car, she'd own the first one. Mm. So um, the second car, which was the Anglia, was promised to my youngest grandchild, who was only two. Okay. So I wanted, I have two daughters only, and each daughter was getting one car for one of their family you know, when I'd pass away, you yes. know. So Katie was getting one and little Oscar was getting the second one. So I rang Oscar's mum, Linda, my eldest daughter, and I just said, you're not going to believe what's after happening here, you know. Told her the story, and she just came straight back to me. She says, Dad, you do know what you have to do here. She says, if that was your founder's car that you just suddenly found out was still on the road, what would you do to get it? Mm. You know, so... Thinking about it, it was the right thing. So you rang David Carey within hours when you cleared the decks with everybody and said, 
you, it. you it can have your father's it. car. That's it. Wow. This is just a really special, uplifting, wonderful, lovely, lovely story. David Carey. Good things come to good people, David Carey. To do, and I mean, it, it's only for the likes of a kind-hearted gentleman like, like Eddie there. And I mean, the car was so well maintained, looked after all them years. And to, to think that has come full circle, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's an incredible uplifting story, I think, for anybody. Mm. And like to get the opportunity to get behind the wheels of a vintage car alone, uh, it's just an incredible experience. But when that 1967 car on the first register owner is your dad, to actually put your hands where his hands once was and go through them gears, it's a feeling I actually can't describe. It's amazing. And to think that you were in the back of that car, as you said, with your sisters, and you went here, there, and everywhere. Talk about going back and back to the future it's just yeah it's incredible isn't it the it's feeling. incredible so the sequence of events we just are still scratching our heads i know eddie's <laughs> scratching his head too <laughs> yeah, we sure. just don't know how it all came about why the sequence of events the contacts uh why the contacts was made uh with no intentions of anything all along but finally the ford anglia made its way home back to dunlear so you have the car now I have the car. Myself and my cousin Bernard, Bernard Carey, we went up on Saturday and we picked up the car and brought it home. And he himself actually said, I remember at the beach in Clotterhead and Port having a picnic out of that car. <laughs> when, he was, when he was growing up as well. I am so, so happy today to relay this story to others as well. It's just simply marvellous. And I go back to you, Eddie Farrell. The words of the late Patsy Reardon, your good friend's wife, th- those words were crucial as well in this oh, decision. totally, totally. Had she never said that, chances are I'd, I'd sort of feel married to it and not be mm. able to move. Mm. You know, but like, you'd swear that everyone knew this was going to happen, you know? yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to even ask about transactions or anything like that. There's no point at all because that's between yourselves and good luck to you, whatever happened there, David. Jerry, this, the sentimental value of this car is priceless. Yes. And I'm just hoping, um, I've got a new friend in Eddie mm. and I, I, he, he's already, <laughs> every day now I'm ringing him about this, Dan, you know, I just hope I can maintain the high standard that Eddie, Patsy and all the previous owners have put into the car, the love, the care, the attention. Mm. And Eddie himself uh, printed out a full page, laminated and all, of the care, the maintenance, what way the car has to be stored, the, the work that has to still be carried out going forward. And he's told me he's at the end of the phone or if anything that needs to be done with that car, I know where he is. Oh, marvellous. Mar- where are you in uh, in the country, Eddie? Where are you based? Oh, up in Dublin, up in Green Hills, south oh, yeah. of Dublin. Yes, yes, we know. Oh, where, only we, an hour away. Yeah, you're only a hop away from us. Here is right. Do you ever feel, Eddie and David, I'll put it to both of you, that there was something else happening that we can't explain as human beings elsewhere that made this connection, Eddie? Well, why should I be looking up a name of it on a textbook yeah. the day of his brother's funeral? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just strange. It's so very strange. The only one thing I'll just add, um, David said to me he's going to try and trace the other owners. I told him not to do that. I ended up in seven when I done that. You know? <laughs> 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 well, 
and David to you as well it's inexplicable isn't it the connection it is yes. and the fact like I mean this, why this particular Rangley at the sequence of events and I do know at one stage the car actually wasn't on the road for 30 years mm. so I mean from I think it was 1979 or 80 to 2008 the car wasn't on the road it wasn't logged in the tax book so someone actually had that car uh, got it out you know uh, yes. uh, started to restore it again Mm. But it's an amazing story, and uh, I'm so grateful for. I'll be forever grateful for Eddie and his family. And again, I don't, I, I, I can't explain how it, how it all happened, but it did. Mm. And here it has you to be something. Ah, there's something. I, I just the think whole that circle of life, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Eddie, I can tell you. David Carey is a great friend of ours here on Late Lunch and LMFM Radio. He's a wonderful guy. He's uh, brought such joy to so many people, Eddie, over the years through his team, Carey, and the marathons, 10 years of Dublin marathons, and all the people he uh, brought their dreams come true. And Eddie Farrell, you've made his ultimate dream come true in this wonderful story. Well done to you, Eddie. I think it's found its rightful owner. <laughs> and he'll look after it, Eddie. We know him well. That's for sure. You know that yourself. He will look after it well. So there you go. The Ford, the famous Ford Anglia. And she looks brilliant, David. Just colour-wise, colour what colour is she for listeners? It's a kind of a... It's a very light green. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's an immaculate condition. And again, with the care and the love over the years that Eddie and Patsy and the predecessors have put into it. And I just... Hopefully now that I can continue that, you know. You will. F-I-Y-525. I see the reservoir and all there. I had S-I-Y myself at the time, a little purple mini, me fourth little Sputnik, as my mother used to call it, car. But uh, anyway, it looks beautiful, and I see the two of you smiling here as you shake yeah. hands. Eddie, Sarah, you, could, you could imagine yeah. if you had that. Like, yeah. like I'm sure it has happened. I, it's very rare. But imagine yourself, if I get your hands on your father's, one of the, your father's first registered car. Yeah. How would you feel? Oh, it's it's just indescribable. It really is. Yeah. It's just simply, simply wonderful, uplifting, inspiring. Ah, it's great. It just is great. I feel so happy today. I'm away with a pep in my step. I'm sure so many listening to us are as well. Eddie Farrell, well done to you. You're one hell of a guy, a decent man, and David Carey couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Good luck to yourself and Alien and all your future driving and enjoyment in the car. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining us with this wonderful story today. Thank you, Jerry. Louise, your, what was your, your first car, the first car you owned? A little green Toyota Yaris. Before the grey one, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. So you had the green... I love my little Yaris. So you've had three cars. The Yaris, Yarises. The oh, girl of a Yaris. <laughs> we love your Yaris too. Um, the green one... The, gre- <laughs> <laughs> the, the green one... The, the green one the hadn't one. got colour-coded bumpers. Oh, Mm. The grey one had. No, it had the grey one had. Yeah, I thought I had arrived. All oh, right, when mm. you got the up. So you start. How long had you the green one? About two years. Then you went to. I the... had a tape deck, so I moved Ooh. from a tape deck to a CD player. Oh my god, sophistication I know. and colour coded bumpers yeah. in the grey one. How long had you the grey one for? Fifteen years. Oh my word! You got some run out of that mm-hmm. car, and you have your current one now. You had three, so that's three cars you've had in total since you started driving. I remember my first car. Is <laughs> that the Sputnik? The Sputnik, the little maroon coloured mini SIY two double one, bought it from Lawson's Garage at the time on the North Road, across from Mother Hughes's pub. There, it's the Vincent de Paul place at the moment. That was Lawson's Garage. Bought it in there second hand. It was a nineteen seventy three car <gasps> SIY two double one. And did you say it was purple? 
little maroon, little maroon oh, coloured oh. Mini. And the first car ever in our family. We Nobody yeah. ever drove in the family till I got that, as my mother called it, the little Sputnik. Oh, jeez, he's away in the little Sputnik again. He'll never come home. <laughs> yeah, the little Mini. Showered it in holy water. Oh, blessed. And there was <laughs> statues in it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord Almighty Memories, memories What a story David carried to, Brilliant You know pick up your dad's car After all those years It's amazing You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio We're heading top of the hour now In the company of Something Happens And Parachute I never did a parachute jump in my life Did you Louise? Did you ever jump? Did you ever do a parachute no, jump? Never no never a parachute jump And I won't be doing one either I hope I never have to use one Anyway here's Something Happens And you're Late Lunch Take a parachute and jump You can't stay here forever Yes, John's been on to say Hear yourself and Louise talking there about the Yaris I am still in my 23-year-old Toyota Yaris says John well, well done to you John they're fantastic cars they really are they're made of wonderful wonderful stuff for sure and great to hear that you're motoring well after 23 years in your Yaris I think there's a tear in Louise's eyes thinking about her little grey Yaris and the day she said goodbye to it for sure John you're bringing back fond memories indeed you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon 086 658 if you'd like to get in touch with us on the show today by WhatsApp or text. Now, you may or may not be aware that since the start of the new year, a lot of weight loss programmes are getting... are being knocked, shall I say, by people. They're getting a a hard time, really. And it's something of a new trend that I've noticed as well. Well, joining me now is a woman who has been in this business for quite a number of years. I remember when herself and her husband, Frank, came to me with their Slender Choice product and they went on Dragon's Den and did really well there. Uh, She's known from the Academy in Dundalk. She's now Growth and Acceleration Manager with Unislim and I'm delighted to welcome her back to the show. Karen Daly, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry, and thank you very much for having me back. How are you keeping? I'm keeping really well, and it's lovely to talk to you again. You know, I remember as soon as I heard the voice, you're one of the most bubbly people I've ever met in my time, I have to say, on this show, and it's great to catch up with you again today. Well, 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 you're uh, you're with Unislim now. Yes, thank you. I uh, joined Unislim back in August, actually, as you know, uh, running our own business, all in health and wellness and weight management for the last 13, 14 years. And I guess post-COVID and everything else, kind of looking at further expansion of our business and I guess the balance, though, as well, and I think what's so important in a health and wellness is to have that balance of work life, but also having time for your health and your family and your fun and everything else. So uh, I kind of felt uh, we had all these members online who were looking at an opportunity to weigh in across the country. Uh, so I spoke to Fiona uh, Gratzer, the CEO of Unislim originally, uh, to do just that. And then we decided after many negotiations, why not join forces and become Ireland's number one together? So mission very much the same to empower and excite people into changing their life for the better. As you probably know, I lost over four stone uh, 14 years ago now at this point, went back to college, did a master's in weight management. And really my mission is to excite people to live their best, happiest, healthiest life. And as you said at the start there, I think so many weight loss programs get knocked in social media and in general media nowadays. And I think 
you know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with someone wanting to lose weight. And I would love the people that I meet every single day of the week and speak to on social media. I would love all of them to be body positive and feel amazing at every single size. But unfortunately, that's not the reality for most people out there. And most people I have yet, I think in my 14 years of working in weight management, yet to meet anyone who wasn't lighter, happier, healthier, fitter, and feeling amazing, having intentionally lost weight. You know, so I think it's so important to actually say to people that it's okay to want to do all that. And yes, it might be January. And, you know, people talk about, you know, your resolutions being people giving up by this week, maybe. But, you know, I think all year round, if we can just simply focus on adding in some amazing food, adding in some water, moving a bit more, and finding a coach or a mentor or a leader or somebody who's going to inspire you and motivate you to do just that, whether it's online or in physical class across the country or it's a friend or someone, I think having support and help to do that changes the game. I think those words you just said there are very important. You know what I mean? Healthy eating, watching what you're eating as well, moving a bit more. And when you add that equation up, of course, it's going to happen. You're going to shed some weight. And, you know, uh, too much weight, it it goes without saying. It's all backed up by research, medical science and that as well. It can be problematic, we have to say, for people. Now, let let me put this to you. Uh, You sent me an article, a very interesting article, which, uh, by the way, I had seen on the BBC, and it was just funny when you sent it to me. I had been reading it too. Uh, Where some influencers, you know, were were, were complaining about this, were complaining about, you know... uh, Let me put it this way, Tian, and it's put very succinctly and well, and, and you've read this, I've read this. You know, coming into Christmas, we're targeted, eat, what you want, drink and be merry. And then January so- suddenly appears and the complete opposite. Oh, you got to watch what you're eating. you got to cut back. And you can understand, can't you, if, uh, Karen, that, you know, contradiction. Exactly. No, I know. And I think that, you know, um, don't get me wrong. Like, I love to socialise. I love to enjoy life. You know, and I love all of those things that we might, might want to eat in December or all year round. But equally, I love to wake up every day genuinely feeling deep down amazing in myself you know so literally when you put your feet on the floor and not even we can all get dressed up on a Saturday night and head out and feel good maybe but you know if you're deep down actually happy within yourself then you'll make different choices and I kind of feel yes I might love to have the donuts or you know whatever it might be every single day of the week but equally then I say to myself do you know what actually I'm going to have them at a weekend or I'm going to have them at certain times mm. because I my, managing my weight is probably the most important thing to me because personally, it impacts so many other areas of my life. It impacts relationships with children, with partners, you know, and it's just it's so important. So I think just actually focusing on your own choices and what works for you and making goals for you. And everyone's different. Some people want to eat and drink everything in sight for two or three weeks come Christmas and then go back to eating normal. Or some people just love that balance all year round. Do you know that they actually just try and really focus on eating healthy most of the time. But like everything, it's moderate, everything in moderation, including moderation itself, because it's it's good to enjoy the finer things in life, too. Just remind us again, you coming together with Fiona Gratzer and Unislim to, fo- uh, to form this super duper uh, company. Uh, but Unislim's philosophy, policy, what is it? Just capture it for us, will you, in a nutshell? Unislim is all about balance and you know, the whole focus. And I think that's 
people, if you've never been to Unisim, we're actually in Ireland 50 years, believe it or not. Uh, so get to a class, join us online, check it out. Because and I think what, what a lot of weight loss clubs get slammed for is like, you know, the lack of education and the lack of the whole you know holistic approach. We do all of that. We educate our members every single week. We have like I have a master's in weight management, as I said, we have nutritionists here. Everything we tell or that our leaders tell our members to, is backed up by science and research. We focus on those healthy meals every single day. Of course, we give you treats and, you know, you can add. I use very often your know, extra calories to add amazing, delicious little bits of cheese or, you know, that bit of my favorite sauce to a meal to make it really taste amazing. But equally, we focus on you, on your mental health, on your activity. You know, it's the whole package really as well. And I think uh, one of our taglines is together we rule. And that's what's so important to people. And especially post-COVID as well, I have found as well, there's been a, a massive appetite for people to actually get back out to classes, to be a part of the community, to see other people and to get motivated by other men and women who they see around them, you know, be, becoming healthier and lighter and fitter. And that just inspires you to do exactly the same. And I absolutely love surrounding myself by like-minded people in whatever it is I like to achieve in life. So, uh, and being part of Unislim, they're an Irish-owned brand. And I feel like literally, as I say, I'm only here since August. And I 100% feel part of the family. I still do my classes in Dundalk on a Thursday night and a Friday morning. I do online classes. And we literally have classes in every county in our most counties in Ireland. And we're also on a massive recruitment drive at the moment too. Uh, and we are opening classes in lots of counties in Ireland. So if anybody's interested in health and fitness and passionate about all that, and they want to get in touch and think it'd be a job they'd love to do or get involved with the Unislim brand, then please reach out to us. And uh, or you get me as well, my uh, social media, I'm Master Weight Loss on Instagram. And because I'm very proud to defend that term weight loss as well. Uh, and the fact, obviously, I have a master's in it. So uh, it's been a fun few months, but with uh, huge growth planned over the next uh, the next year, it's uh, going to be a very exciting year ahead. So balance is what you say. No pressure. No, you know, this is where a lot of the criticism is coming from. And uh, the, the uh, flagship programme on RT Operation Transformation hasn't been exempt from it either, where the emphasis is on the scales. And they're trying to turn that and tweak that too. You are obviously cognizant of that. I totally, you know, and I do think, again, the scales get a bad rep as well. Whereas I was at, would actually much prefer focus people on the relationship. The scale itself is actually literally just a measure of our weight. And where the issue comes with a scale is actually if we do step on that scale and it determines our day or how we feel or, you know, the image maybe we project about ourselves or how we talk to ourselves as well is so important. Uh, and I had lots of men and women I meet every week as well. The conversations we have in our own little head can be detrimental to our success in anything. So we work hard with members to actually try and change all of that. Um, but I think if we start to realise that, you know what, like anything in life, what you get measured gets changed, you know. So if you are a certain weight right now and you're thinking, right, you know what, actually, I would love to lose two stone or whatever it might be. So actually just deciding, I'm going to start today and I'm not stopping until I get there. And even better, I'm not stopping at all because personally, I believe healthy weight management is an investment for life. You know, and there's, as I said earlier, nothing that isn't impacted by it. So it's so important to actually do that. And if you just committed to say, do you know what, actually, I'm going to keep going and whether it takes me six weeks, six months or six years to lose that two stone, my goal is going to actually just remain to be as healthy as I can most of the time. And of course, there's going to be times when that just doesn't work out or go to plan or you're going to want to 
go out and socialize with friends or have other things. And that's okay too. But it's how we frame that in our head and the conversations actually that we have are key. Um, but 100%, I don't believe that the scales are the big uh, body that, that people think they are. Uh, and interestingly as well, this year we have given members uh, the opportunity to check in as well if ever there is a week that they actually don't physically for whatever reason. And I think it's important that members and people who try to lose weight are treated as adults. So if ever they don't want to weigh in in, in any of our classes, they don't have to. They can simply come, get all the information, get the education, get the knowledge and they can just check in at those classes. So it's just, uh, it's been a big move, obviously, for us after 50 years of scales. Um, but it's recognising that it, different things work for different people. And we're just trying to give everybody choice. And that's so important. I like what you're saying. And I wish you well in your new challenges, growth and acceleration manager with Unislim. And check them out. You can find out all the information, online classes or prospective classes near you. Karen Daly, great to catch up. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Jerry, so much. Unislim.com, everybody, or Master Weight Loss. Come and say hello, but thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Karen. Bye. That's Karen Daly there from Unislim and uh, Wise Words. And it is changing. The focus is certainly changing. There is no doubt about that. But nothing's changing at this time on Tuesday on Late Lunch for 2023 because we'll be back with your two on Tuesday. It's time for our two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'd be number, number one. one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Yes, for our two on Tuesday. This Tuesday, we're going all the way back to 1970. Yes, we are, but it's a timeless number for sure. Although it was number one in 20 different countries in the UK, which is the chart we focus on every week, it only made it to number two. Here it is. on Tuesday free and all right now it's a cracking two on Tuesday Louise isn't it I love it yeah it is great oh it's a great one it really is a great one there's a story behind that song you know Mm. how it came about it was actually written by uh, the uh, free lead singer Paul Rogers and the bass player Andy Fraser they had a bummer of a gig right they played a bummer of a gig one night in Durham and they walked off the stage and they could actually hear their feet as they walked off and they just thought that was brutal and we need a good song to finish out with and the thought just came to him look everything will be alright now sat down wrote it in 10 minutes Louise 10 minutes 10 minutes he wrote the song and the rest is history and when I tell you I always knew you were a chewing gum girl I hate chewing gum do you? (laughs) yeah I just don't get chewing gum well, you knew that what that song you said to me. Yeah, it was either chewing gum or it jeans. Was, it was chewing so gum. So I was no, right. You it said was chewing gum chewing first. Gum. It was Wrigley's chewing gum. And you know something? I'm just thinking now. 
I came into the office last week chewing gum and you walked in the door and you looked at me and you said, are you chewing gum? <laughs> yeah. Didn't you? I've never m- seen you chew gum before. <laughs> we had a song about Wrigley Spearmint Gum, but I couldn't sing it on the radio. I'll sing it to you in a minute. When I can think of a few things around gum. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to play the number two now. Right, so a great number two. We both agree. A yeah. Fantastic two. How it didn't make number one, we'll never know. But there is a reason it didn't make number one because, you see, the song that was at number one at the time was actually at number one, Louise, in the UK for seven weeks. It was a big, big number one in 1970. Do you know how many s- singles this song sold? It sold 30 million singles. Now, you think about that. It is actually one of the best-selling singles of all time, even though we're going back to 1970. And no surprise that it is, because here is your number one that kept free off the top spot. It is Mungo Jerry. <laughs> you can find We're always happy Last we're living here, that's our philosophy Sing along with us Mongo Jerry The number one that prevented our two on Tuesday from free making it to the top spot Huge it was! Top of the charts for seven weeks and again it was written by Mongo Jerry lead singer Ray Dorset. He worked for Timex uh, the watchmaker and he was still working with them and he wrote a doodling one day at work and look what he came up with Louise that massive massive hit at the time and here's very, the, very simple isn't it? it's simple it was a simple song here's the interesting thing about it it was released on a maxi single which you know when you have uh, vinyl the singles play at 45 revs per minute and the albums play at 33 and a third that played at 33 and a third, even though it was a single, you know, at, at the speed of an album. Just a, 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 a little a little vignette about it. I don't think Mungo Jerry had much more. They never had anything really beyond that. That, that was their huge one, of course. Uh, that one, uh, Summertime. Our only hit. Yeah. Only major hit, anyway. Really, really was the biggest of the biggest, for sure, for them. Anyway, that's the story of our two and Tuesday. And the one, what do you think? Only for Summertime <laughs> was there. The other one's a great song, isn't it? Oh, they're they're both great songs. Oh, they are. It's a pity the other way. never made it in the UK. But there you are. That is the history, and we're never, ever going to change that. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you have questions for my next guest. She's simply brilliant. She's one of our wonderful regulars. Sinead Kelly, good afternoon and a happy new year to you. Happy new year, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks so much for joining me again today. I have a simple little question to start that's just come in from uh, a listener. Uh, Jerry, we have a Labrador and we only feed her once a day. Now, it's a substantial feed, the listener says, but should we be giving her more than a single feed, says the listener? current thinking now is that it's better to divide the, the total ration into two meals. Um, number one, because if they just have all their food in one go, especially if they eat it quickly, like most Labradors do, they um, have a very full tummy all of a sudden 
and a big breed dog is at risk always if they if they have a lot of food very quickly their tummy gets very full and then if they do a lot of crazy activity or or for some other unknown reasons sometimes the 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 food you get a lot of gas produced from the food in the tummy and the tummy can twist so certainly i'd be much more in favor of having you know two smaller meals from that point of view uh, in the large breed dogs where you're risking maybe a, a bloat or a tummy twist and the second one i just think that all arose because in the wild you know wild dogs would probably only have managed to to find food or or find um carrion or or you know scavenge because dogs are scavenger or maybe to kill prey might only be once a day but actually obviously our, our animals now are fed by us um and i just think 24 hours is a long time to wait with an empty tummy and of course dogs get hunger pangs the same as everybody else so i i would always advise dividing it into two meals i think is definitely a be- better for the dog certainly i i can't think of any single benefit that it would be to the dog and certainly i would say it's beneficial to split into two meals i think there you go so uh, uh divide it up don't give the 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 big food uh, all at once twice a day is much better says our Sinead. here's an interesting one just come in from olivia hi jerry i have an 18 week Cocker Spaniel, 18 week old Cocker Spaniel. She keeps eating her poo before I get to pick it up. Can she oh. need help? This is one we've had before. Right. Go oh, on. Oh, no. So sometimes this is just a behavioural issue. It's just it's just one of these things that they do, uh, being silly little puppies. Sometimes it can be a sign maybe that they're um, uh, not maybe on a balanced diet. So maybe just have a chat with your vet or, or have a look yourself at what you're feeding the puppy. Make sure it's a complete uh, puppy food. Uh, it can either be totally dry or it can be wet or a mixture of the two but as long as it's definitely a complete puppy food as long as your puppy is gaining weight and thriving we're probably on a balanced diet and again make sure we're not having regular vomiting or diarrhea because essentially um, sometimes the, the, the puppy or a dog might feel driven to eat poops because they're, they're not uh, getting enough nutrients and enough nutrition themselves so make sure your diet's okay uh, the next thing I would check is also just make sure they're regularly wormed as well um, sometimes that can trigger some kind of strange behaviours the reality is it's almost certainly just behavioural um, now there are a few things you can do there's a specific kind of product you can get um, in the vets I think they might sell it in some of the big pop, uh, pet stores as well or online and it's, it's a little um, an item you put in their food and it makes their poops taste horrible um, so that might be something to, to, to think about in that that might deter the little puppy the other thing to do is um, I mean obviously I'm not the one bringing the puppy out but the puppy must be pretty darn quick if you bring the puppy outside and you're literally standing there poised with the with the poo bag that the puppy is getting to eat it before you've picked it up so I do think that probably you maybe have to try and break the cycle a wee bit um, in that maybe you're going to have um, you know have to have somebody really on, on bum watch to make sure you're getting the poops as, as it comes out obviously it's not very pleasant you're, you're then your dog is going to have fecal material in their mouth it's not very hygienic for if they're licking their the, the, the people in the family and also you're at risk of spreading roundworms as well so definitely another good idea to get your puppy regularly wormed at that kind of age we're worming every three to four weeks up until six months um but yeah it, it's just make sure there's nothing triggering it underlying and then i think you're probably just gonna have to go and step up with the with the getting there before the little puppy eats it and then the next thing is as i say is just have a little chat with your vest there are certain products that you can feed them they're licensed that they just make the the poops not taste very nice and that should hopefully put them off 
Olivia, hopefully that sorts out your problem there. We're on the feline trail now. Jerry, perhaps Sinead can help. She always can help, I can tell you. Our cat, since November gone by, has been causing a disturbance in the early hours of the morning in the house, wakening me and others as well. When you go down to her, she's just agitated and, with a little comforting, does settle down. But this is happening now every night. Has Sinead any suggestions? Okay, so number one I would ask, um, is the cat elderly? Um, Could there be an underlying health condition? So I think that's certainly something to rule out. So um, it's possible this is just normal physiological behaviour for the cat. Cats tend to be more active at night. Um, and certainly our own two have this terrible habit of waking us up at about five o'clock in the morning, hoping that we'll get up and, and feed them early. So it could just be normal, and that's the way, that's the cat's natural cycle, and they're kind of hoping that someone's going to wake up and give them a bit of attention and food. But if that's something that the cat never did before, but is now doing, um, then I think you need to maybe investigate a little bit closer. So with an older cat, um, occasionally, um, as in older dogs, um, and a little bit like us as we get older, you can get a little bit of cognitive decline so certainly they can maybe get a little bit confused and so it might be that there's a, 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 um, a degree of kind of age-related confusion going on so that might apply for elderly. I certainly think it's worthwhile just arranging a little checkup at the vet because if this is new behaviour for the cat something is making the cat do this and so your potential causes is there something that the cat is hearing outside at that time? Is there a visiting cat? Some disturbance or there may be foxes outside making noises and that's making the cat feel a little bit vulnerable and threatened and so they're looking for human support or is it the cat waking up for A, because they're hungry B, because they're feeling uncomfortable maybe they can't sleep because they're in pain Cats are really amazing little creatures and they're very, very good at hiding signs of illness and signs of pain. And so often we have to really rack our brains and think, well, why is the cat behaving like this? And so I definitely think a a checkup at the the vets just to make sure we're not in pain, say, from sore arthritic joints. and We're not having issues somewhere that's making the cat wake up um, because we're feeling unhappy. So like I say, it could be normal. It could be a behavioural thing because something is disturbing the kitty cat outside. Um, or it, it could be just that there's something, just, you know, a, um, a, an illness or, or the cat's feeling a little uncomfy. So definitely touch base with the vet, especially if we're an older cat. Uh, we tend to be quite bad at um, reading signs in older cats. They're just as likely as older dogs to get arthritis and, and different issues. And so it's definitely worthwhile chatting with the vet, definitely. If we think this is due to stress, uh, and certainly cats can be very easy to stress. So it's possible, is there is, is something happening? Is there a neighbour now getting up very early at that time in the morning and waking the cat up? Uh, or is there like a new tom cat in the area? Or are there maybe some, some foxes or something outside that's giving the cat a fright? Um, probably a lot of people know, but cats do really, really well. You can get a, a thing called um, a Feelyway plug-in diffuser that produces this um, cat-appeasing pheromone, which basically all cats produce it themselves. And it's one of the reasons we see cats rubbing up against people and furniture trying to mark themselves so they produce their own kind of calming soothing pheromones Um, and so a lot of studies have shown that any kind of stressful situation for a cat if we can produce this artificial cat beating pheromone in the house it often kind of reduces stress quite a bit so again touch base with your vet and have a chat about that that's a good idea thanks Sinead back to 
our four-legged friends, um, the the uh, doggies. King Charles Spaniel, uh, approaching 10 years of age. Could you ask Sinead, please, Jerry? should I reduce the exercise? He loves to run about, but uh, gets breathless when I look at him now at the age he's at. Should oh, I right. reduce so- it? Okay, so if he's getting breathless, that's definitely a bit of a, a, flag, a red flag that we need to go and get a checkup at the vet. Um, so the Cavaliers and the King Charles Cavaliers um, have a genetic predisposition to heart disease. They have, they, they just have inherited tendencies that their little mitral valves uh, haven't developed quite a hundred percent properly. And so what sometimes happens is as they get a little bit older, when their heart has been able to cope so far up to now, uh, suddenly their heart can't cope anymore. So breathlessness is not normal. It shouldn't be regarded as a normal part of ageing. If it's happening, it's because we've got a problem. So uh, breathlessness is basically the body trying to compensate for the fact that we're not getting enough oxygenated blood going around the body. And so that's either because of a, a primary problem with our with our lungs or a primary problem with our, with our heart, really. And given that breed of dog, um, I would definitely be, be getting a little checkup at the vet and suspicious we could have a heart issue. What I would say is that if the dog is happy to run and exercise, this is all good and I would never be one for, for stopping that, but definitely get the heart checked first. And if your vet confirms, say, that we have a leaky valve or we have the beginnings of, of heart disease, there are lots of things we can do to try and uh, make it a bit easier for the heart to work and, and make it easier for the, for the body to cope. Uh, and it might be sensible if you do get a specific diagnosis with, of that, that instead of having one or two very long walks a day, you maybe do two or three shorter shorter walks. So we're not overexerting. Um, so, but definitely get that checked out because it's it's not that that is suggesting to us that we're having a little bit of a problem there. And don't be afraid to go and because often people say, oh, I didn't come to the vet because I thought the vet would say, oh, this is it, I can't do anything. There's lots of things that can be done. So definitely touch base with the vet. Now, first baby on the way. We have two cats who've had the run of the house for four years. Can Sinead offer any advice on how I should prepare or what I should do when baby arrives? That's a lovely one. so definitely uh, what I would do is, as we referred to before, get your stock up on your feely-way plug-in diffusers because it is going to be stressful for the cats. There's going to be a new little creature coming in. So we want to minimise their stress. So definitely um, you can get these online and you can get them in the big pet stores in your in your vets chat to them about the feely way just catapeting pheromone reduces stress for the word go the second thing you should probably do um is make sure that there, the cats have lots of places they can go away and hide and that there's no competition with each other for food or litter tray things like that when something stressful happens in the house as in and for a cat that's often any change whether it's another person another animal Anything stressful makes them go into a bit of panic mode. And so they'll start to compete with each other for the resources, which could be food, water, litter trays. So, again, just make sure you've got lots of nice little hidey places they can go to. The advice is, um, you know, to have literally one litter tray per cat per floor of house. That sounds an awful lot to me. And as someone who has cats, that's a lot of trays to clear out. But that's what they say to minimise any stress. Because if the cat, if they, when the new baby comes in, thank God they're not mobile for quite a while, but it's a whole new being and, and that's going to make them a bit stressed. And so they might decide, well, I don't want to go downstairs because that's where the baby is all the time. So if the litter is downstairs and the baby's downstairs most of the time, then you might find that the cat might soiling, start soiling or, or peeing upstairs. Mm. So something as simple as that. So literally just making sure that the cats have free reign, free access 
to their litter trays, uh, to their food bowls, things like that. Um, you've got, it's a good thing about babies is that they start off very mobile and not doing very much. And so you've got plenty of time, you know, that you can get things in place before your baby's going start, to get, start getting mobile. The beauty of cats, as opposed to dogs, is that a baby starts crawling towards a cat, they, they leg it. You know, they don't do anything um, that maybe some dogs might do if they feel threatened. Um, so, so I would really go from that point of view. Just make sure that you're making your cat, your house kind of cat-friendly and, and stress-free as much as you can now. Uh, the advice, I remember doing it myself when, when I had Shona, is when you come back from the hospital, um, they suggest that you just plonk the baby down in the car seat, say, on the floor and let both the cats come and have a little sniff around. And, you know, some people maybe might be a little anxious and be afraid something's going to happen. You know, really cats are really pretty no risk to, to, to babies. They're really, there's a lot of old wives tale. My mum <laughs> was always convinced that the cat we had at the time was going to go and, and smother the baby and sleep on her head and things like that. I have never known of that happening. So I definitely, you know, I think you just need to make sure that, that the cat kind of get to know the baby, know the smells, they'll probably stay away on, unless um, if the baby is nice and quiet and settled. And again, you can encourage with little treats. Um, you know, does the cat want to come and have a little sniff of the baby's feet, maybe when the baby's having a wee sleep? And then they'll get a big shock when the baby starts maybe moving or crying. I remember again, Shona and the cat we had at the time, Fiverr, we didn't have a single problem. And then literally one day we were racing out the door. I had Shona in the car seat. She was about four months of age. And she started this kind of crying fit and started waving her arms and legs around. The cat was walking by at the time, got the fright of her life and kind of scratched Shona totally accidentally, but just because she got a fright. So things like that that I suppose you have to be a little bit more aware about that these things are, are, are possible, but really you don't need to be getting in a panic. Just make sure that your cat's is that your house is cat-friendly. And pretty much your cat-friendly house is going to be baby-friendly until your baby starts crawling, and then you just want to make sure that your litter trays are not accessible to the baby and things like that. But um, definitely have, have, a, have a look at getting some of these feelyway diffusers. And again, although it sounds like extra work, you know, but they do say that we just make sure that, for example, cats are so good as they might hide upstairs if someone comes in the house, and if the litter trays downstairs, they might not come down for 24 hours, afraid of coming down. So just things like that, just make sure that the cat is not sitting there in a back bedroom waiting to make a bolt for the tray or the food, and they're afraid because a new little being has come in. So mm. you've got to kind of think about it from the cat's point of view. But yes. they'd be absolutely fine. They'd be absolutely fine. And certainly, yeah. uh, Shona's first word was cat. Ah, good stuff. Reassuring indeed. Sinead, superb as usual. Thank you so much. We leave it there for today and please God we'll talk to you in the month of February. You're very welcome. Take care, Jerry. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. That's Sinead Kelly, a wonderful vet there. She could answer the phone book. I always say it about her. Late lunch, LMFM radio still to come on the show. Our top five countdown this week. We're back in 1982 and we're going to meet a young man who's really making waves with his new guitar after three.
Oh, I was warned. I was warned. I was warned not to come in. Oh, the boss said to me, do not speak a word until those last words are uttered by Bonnie Tyler. I didn't say it like that. Well, that's the way it came across to me. (laughs) I just wouldn't have put your mic up. (laughs) That's Bonnie Tyler's pension song there from 1983. By God, what a great song. Absolutely great song. And Louise, talking about heart, tell them about this heart in the red light. (laughs) Tell them. I came across the kindest, most loving red traffic light on the way to work this morning. It's not often people <laughs> say that a red light is the kindest, most loving red light you ever came across. Gone, I love you, now stop. <laughs> the, the song put me I don't in know where it is. It's the traffic light uh, coming down the north road. Where is it, Jerry? At the okay, junction so of... It's the old Dublin Belfast road into Drogheda, but right in the town. When you're travelling down the north road into Georgia Street, that junction there with Patrick Street... Um, just there, that, that you're almost down at Where the main the light. Carpet places at yes, the corner. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So whatever way the red light, the cover is on the red light. It looks, it looks like a love heart. Ah. Oh. And then it turns green. And I noticed. I looked at the green one. It doesn't have the it same doesn't. cover. It just looks round. Well, that's right. But it looks like a love heart. Well, a heart has to be red. So you think the red light on George Street in Drogheda <laughs> it looks, looks like, like a, a heart. Yeah. Get into your cars it and looks, get driving. It looks driving. like a love heart. Well, I'm going to get into my car this evening and actually go around and look at that <laughs> light. Should, should. I, I am. I am. <laughs> being, the, being the curious person I am and with you telling me I just Bonnie things t- you notice on your way to <laughs> the work things you notice and Bonnie Tyler just put me in mind of it when it, Louise has been telling me the story by the way I mightn't be here after she because she'll run in here and I think she'll have her hands around <laughs> me neck total crash of the heart <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you things that are not all meant to be talked about on the but look it's your listen heart and Bonnie Tyler it put it in mind what else would you say anyway get in your People car stop now to look at that traffic light. Oh so God, we could. There you go. It's a. We, we could have a few. It does re- its job. <laughs> we could have a few rear-ended cars. <laughs> <laughs> And the horns honking, will you move on? You and your heart in your red light. What are you talking about? Anyway, we'll be talking more on late lunch after news. Weather and sport at three. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's the number four from January 1982. Do you remember this one? It's cool in the gang and get down on it. 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 Come on in. Get down on it. Get down on it. Get down on it. Get down on it. How you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance by standing on the wall? Get your back up off the wall. Tell me. Does it bring it back to your disco dancing days? It was massive. Yes, our number four on the top five countdown from this week in 1982. This very week in January 82. Get down on it from Cool and the Gang on your late lunch. And we continue our countdown round about this time tomorrow. It's a cracking top five this week, I have to say. I want you to have a listen to a young man called Kieran McDonagher. He's just got a brand new guitar and here he is playing for us today. 
is, hey, hey, is right. That is Kieran McDonagher there. I'm listening. We're all listening. I'm watching as well. And the intricateness of the fingers uh, plucking and playing is amazing. And he's on the line. Hello, Kieran. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. What age are you? Uh, I'm twelve. Good man yourself. And tell me about this guitar. You've been playing guitar, I know, a few years. But tell us about this new guitar you have. Well, this guitar is like, uh, me. it's like one of the best you can get. The, the thing that suits, the reason it suits me is because it's a, it's called a baby tailor and it's a bit smaller than normal guitars. So it's easier to me to reach the, uh, reach the strings and play it all, all around. Yes, yeah, so it's a baby tailor. How long have you had it? I just got it since Christmas. Got a Christmas day and I've uh, been playing all around the house since <laughs> I've got it. Well, I can tell you, you are certainly mastering this new guitar. Is it a bit of a change from the previous one you played? Uh, well, I suppose so, because the last one was obviously a bit bigger. And mm. it just comes a bit too easier. It comes a bit, too e- it comes a bit easier to me now with yeah. the small baby tailor. And as I said there, your fingers are going 90 up and down the frets and you're plucking as well. And that, that what's that piece of music we just listened to there that you're playing? Uh, it's a real, I learned with a great Dick Gohan. Uh, he, he played the same style as me, the kind of traditional tunes. Uh, it was a tune, tune called The Gooseberry Bush. And uh, he, he put it on an album, I think, with uh, Andy Irvin in the 80s. And I heard it and I thought it was a great tune. It is a great tune. It really is a great tune. It's really uplifting and you uh, deliver it so brilliantly, may I say, as well. Are your fingers, you know, you're playing a, a, a wild guitar, I know that. And are your fingers now, you know the way when you start, they're tender and they can be sore and they crack, etc. You've none of that issue now, have you, even with the new one? Uh, well, yeah, once you keep playing it, your skin kind of just gets used to it. and Yeah. You get marks after if you're playing gigs or playing for a while you tend to get marks on your top of your fingers but uh, no it's 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 fine no bother to you um, as regards learning the different tunes and being taught the guitar do you have somebody to teach I know your dad Eamon is a great player sure he played for us here he wrote a special song during the Covid times as well who teaches you or how do you pick up these tunes well to be honest I, I kind of just learn myself uh, I'm just flicking around on YouTube and listening to other people and I kind of just take bits from other musicians and try and learn from them and put it into the tune. Mm. So yeah, I just kind of learn myself, to be honest. Good on you. And you mentioned gigging there. Where do you gig? Where do you play? I know you you say round the kitchen with the new one, but you you play in public, don't you, as well? Yeah, there's, uh, there's many pubs around our area. There's uh, one on the top of the road that we particularly enjoy playing in because it's full of Irish speakers it's called on um, Broad on Fassa yes and, uh, lo- lovely people in Rathcarn and uh, great to be playing up there yeah, so you are part of the uh, Gaeltacht community there and you have your locals and you're, you're playing with people, like-minded people and similar type of music. It, it, it is traditional that you're playing there. Do you like any other types of music? Do you do you play anything else beside the, the trad? Yeah, uh, folks and... Uh, like you know, on our own, we were really playing at gigs and stuff. But we we listen to a bit of country and rock and roll. Me and my dad. Yes. Not as much as we used to now, but we we used to enjoy the the ACDC and the the Johnny Cash. Oh. 
<laughs> Good on you. My God, you're at two ends of the spectrum there with ACDC and Johnny Cash. But that's the way it has to be. And, and all in between, for sure. Um, you obviously love this and you're making your way with this guitar and with this new model as well. It's something now you're always going to have, isn't it, as you, as you grow up and it'll be a big part of your life, Kieran. Yeah, I just I hopefully know this guitar will be with me from now on because it's um, uh, to me anyway. A musical instrument is is well, I hope to be something that you have for life. Yes, it nearly kind of sticks with you because you you never really forget how to play something. You might not be as good as you were, but you'll always be able to play that instrument once you have learnt it. That is the truest words and children, I, I honestly believe all children should give music a go in one form or another because you said you can pick it up, you can leave it down maybe for a while but you can pick it up again and it's a skill and a talent you can always bring with you right through your lifetime. Besides music, have you interest in that else? Do you do a bit of sport or have you any other interests outside? Yeah, I'm mad into sport. Yeah, I'm mad Are into you? The, sports, the football, the hurling, the soccer. I'm actually getting into basketball as well recently. I love loads of different sports. Good man. Good man. And who do you play for? Who do you play the Gaelic with? Uh, the local club here, Clonagale. Oh, good. Good. Great club they are there, Clonagale in County Meath. And what about the soccer? Do you follow any clubs in in, in England or anything like that? Or uh, I like watching Man United at the minute. Oh. I think they're, they're on form at the minute. They are, and you know what? They're playing my team, Arsenal, at the weekend. That's a big game, Kieran. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. that is a big game in terms of the Premier League and who, who's going to win it this year. So you're an all-rounder with various sports and the music as well, but you have a great graph for the guitar, obviously, and the music. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I'd be thinking to myself if I had an option, I don't know what I could pick between the sports and the music. It's very hard. I'm trying my best to be able to play them both yes and yeah. juggle juggle all keep all the balls in the air together I know it's not easy when you have so many things on the go and I take it you're a fluent Gaelgore too oh yeah Irish speaking here in uh, in Rathcarn and also we do go west to Connemara as well and we've uh, our our family is originally from there yes. so we do tip down every now and again and obviously it's Irish down there as well Lovely. You are one lucky man. Connemara. Simply beautiful. And the west of Ireland. You have the best of all worlds, to be honest with you, between where you are there. And you have a great family and you have a great dad as well, who's uh, mentoring you with the music too. Eamon, we say hello to him today. Well, listen, lovely to hear you. Good luck with the new guitar and keep it all going because all-rounders are great and sure down the road you'll decide yourself what you'll specialise or whatever in. But great to catch up with you today. Goramayagot. Thank you very much. Slan, Slan Gafoyle, that's a lovely young man, isn't he? Kieran McDonagher there and going places with his guitar. By God, he can play it and pluck it. I was saying to you there, he is good. He really is. Anyway, that brings the curtain down on Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. On tomorrow's show, Shane Dunphy is joining us. Brilliant guy. He has a new book out, which we're going to chat about. But he's going to talk to me about the whole area of misogyny in the context of uh, that guy Andrew Tate and all that's going on with that. 
Sarah Kill from Picky Eaters is with us. So if you have somebody who's maybe uh, difficult to feed, no matter what age they are, we're hoping Sarah can point us in the right direction. And Joey Garrity, a local taxi driver, tells us the story about being attacked in the course of his work. We'll have more besides, of course, on the show, but that's just giving you a taster for Wednesday afternoon's late lunch coming to you from 1.30 on Wednesday. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio because Eddie Caffrey's on the way with the drive. Wonderful couple of hours ahead. But we'll be back midweek Wednesday. Hump day, is that what they call it? I think that's the uh, new term for it. Tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday from 1.30. Have a lovely Tuesday evening. We'll see you then. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.